Welcome to Cultivating Respect with Darcy Castro. Thanks for listening and opening your perspective to our inspirational, sometimes funny, and always love-infused conversations about creating respectful environments in our own communities and in our own hearts. Find the Cultivating Respect articles, podcasts, and videos at DarcyCastro.com. And a big thank you to Naomi Laviolette, singer and songwriter behind Everything is Brighter, our creative and beautiful theme music. Thank you so much for being here. Hey guys, <laughs> I'm already laughing because I have such an awesome guest today. Sorry for making me laugh. Welcome back to Cultivating Respect with Darcy Castro. It's going to be, it's like a serious topic, but I have a feeling this is just going to be, it's going to be a giggle fest because today I have Claire Murdo and we're on, um, you just hear the audio, but we do record this on Zoom. So like we're watching each other right now and she's already making me laugh. So those of you that know Claire, you know that she's hysterical. Um, Claire is the National Ambassador American Woman of Service 2020. So she's one of my pageant sisters. She's just a super cool all-around gal. I'm so blessed that she's in my life. She's one of my very dear friends. But she's funny and she's wicked smart and she's just really cool. And when I was coming up you know, with a concept for, this is a tough topic, the moment of mea culpa. If you haven't read the essay or listened to it, stop, go back and do that first. That's your homework. Come back and join us. So it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's a serious topic, but you know, there's always room for laughter. So I thought Claire would be the perfect person. So welcome Claire. Thank you so much for having me, Darcy. This is so awesome that we get to do this together. And I'm so grateful that American Women of Service brought us together because I'll say it again later, I'm sure, but people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And I just know you and I were meant to to come together and oh my God, your video, your audio just cut out. <laughs> it's like so important. And it just cut out. But yeah, I'll fill I'll fill in the uh I'll fill in the space here for a second. But yeah, so Claire and I met at America Women of Service last year in 2019. We competed together. She came back and took title this year. So we were like instant friends. And I know you guys know what that's like, right? When you just meet somebody where it just clicks. Can you hear me? She's nothing. She's got nothing. That's okay. And we can, I can go back and like snip this all together. So no worries. But you guys, you should see the look on her face right now. It's hysterical. Um, I'm going to make sure everything's fine on my end. My speaker's good. My mic's good. Can I hear you? I can hear you. Can oh, you hear there we go. I can hear you. Okay. Awesome. Sorry about that. I mean, you know, it's not like we're in some fancy recording no, studio all, right all now. We're just my, at home. Uh, all of a sudden it went out. So uh, Claire and I met last year. We were both competing. We were at AWAS weekend together and I plopped myself down to her next to her on the on the bus for one of her outings. And I'm like, so I hear you're from Chelmsford. And those of you that know me know that I lived in Chelmsford for 22 months and it like completely still has my heart. I love that place, Massachusetts so much. And that's Claire's hometown. So that's kind of how we bonded. And then we're just like the perfect fit for each other anyway. So <laughs> we are, am I right? <laughs> well, cool. So Claire, I would like you to start out by telling us a little about you. A little bit about me. 
Well, as you know, you just said, I grew up in Chelmsford, Massachusetts, um, come from a small family and uh, went to University of New Hampshire for college and studied sociology, which mm. these days is coming in super handy. So if anybody's ever thinking about going to school and what to study, I highly suggest sociology right now. Um, I've been married to my husband, John. We just celebrated 16 years of marriage a couple weeks ago. We've got two kiddos, Paige, who is 13, and Ryan, who is eight. We live up in Stratford, New Hampshire, which I like to say is on the edge of nowhere, but really at the same time, it's just far enough away, um, but still close to everything. And we're just uh, enjoying, enjoying living life right now. And by day, I'm an executive assistant for Rider System, Inc. And I support a senior vice president for sales and also global used vehicle sales. Oh, wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. And that's Plus, just the day, that's just the day job. <laughs> and a volunteer and a voiceover artist. Please do expand. <laughs> I know, right? What else do I do? So yeah, I do really enjoy volunteering in college. I joined Kappa Delta Sorority. And that's where my love of philanthropy and volunteering really started to take off and blossom. And from there, I've actually stayed with the, um, with the sorority on both a local and national level. So at the local level, I mentor the collegiate women who are on the chapter council to help them with policies and procedures, mm -hmm. making sure everything is on the up and up and they're doing what they should be doing. And um, at the national level, I work with alumni chapters to help continue the women's sorority experience post-college by bringing alumni together from uh, different areas. And, you know, if you went to college out in Michigan, but you moved to Boston, I help connect those women so they feel they have a little piece of, of something very familiar in a strange city. And for volunteering, I have, I feel like I have my hand in a lot of pies sometimes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, right. Currently, um, I'm serving as the interim president of our town's recreational sports department. I do a lot of kind of what I like to call crafting for Operation Gratitude. I'm making paracord bracelets, fleece hats, and crocheting scarves for deployed military personnel that gets sent out in care packages. And I also, over the summer, hooked up with an equine therapy program. So I help get the horses ready, lead them, while then the therapist is working with the patient. So it's one less thing that the, the therapist has to worry about that they know because of my horse handling experience that I've got the horse so they can concentrate on their work with the patients. Oh my God. That's so awesome. And I love seeing the pictures of you with the large, the large, large horse. That's a big horse. He is. Maggie, Maggie's, <laughs> my, Maggie's my big girl. I, she's a draft horse. She's the sweetest thing. I just call her my big teddy bear. I love working with her. And when the therapist approached me and said, okay, are you comfortable with the draft horse? And I said, yes, bring it on. Oh yeah, Perfect. Perfect. So, so yeah. I like to ask this question of people, you know, that are into volunteer service and have a heart for service. Like it's a lot to juggle. Like you and I talk about this probably on a daily basis, like how much it is to juggle. But when, you know, your heart is compelled to do something like service, like pageantry, like parenting, career, all that stuff. Like, why is it important for you to carve out those moments for volunteering? 
to me, volunteering is I am able to give my time where I can, where I'm able to be flexible and fit it in. And I'm also giving my talent. And I think those are two important components that organizations probably depend on more sometimes, and especially in these times that I can, you know, sit and watch a TV show at night with my family and then also be crocheting a scarf at the same time. And I like to keep my hands busy and, and it really helps kind of zen me out a little bit as well. Right. So I just feel that if I have time and talent in that way to give back to an organization, I, I want to share that with them. You know, you have a great gift for, for writing and writing is one of my weaknesses, but I would think if there was ever an organization that was like, hey, we'd, we'd love a few pieces or something, I know 100%, you'd be like, oh yeah, I can do that. Um, so I think it's all about finding what your talents are and be able to then give that back. It's just, it's such a, an amazing feeling. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. You know, and for me, I think a lot of it is too, is when you are a woman that has a lot of interests, but like a lot of commitments already, like sometimes volunteering or service is a way to scratch that itch or to grow that part of you. Definitely. So, um, like, you know, I wrote the book, uh, how I feel about dad's brain tumor. And this is, you know, again, I rely on my network to help me with that. And, you know, you and your sorority network, you know, you were like, Hey, I know somebody that knows somebody Definitely. that needs that resource and you hooked it up. Right. And I was able to get that book into those hands. You know right. what I mean? So I love it that, you know, it's, you know, service is a way to help people, to help ourselves grow individually and to, you know, really just expand our communities, but at the same time, expand ourselves. I think it's fine that it's twofold. And, and I love that. And I, I love it that you were able to get back into the, the horse thing and the equine therapy, because that's going to be really enjoyable for you too. Me too. <laughs> and my husband even said, he's like, oh, good. So you get, you get your horse on and you get your volunteer on like, oh, like two birds, on. one stone. And <laughs> I love um, it. the fun thing about, I think for everybody, for, you know, people who do love horses as much as I do, it's even if we are not the full-fledged owner and we don't have to endure the cost or anything. We love and care for them like they're our own. Right. Oh my oh. gosh. Well, Claire, seriously, you are one of my favorite people. Well, and we've been friends for over a year now. I think you're amazing. I think your friends are great. I think your family's great. You know, I love your parents. <laughs> they're so adorable. <laughs> and it's they so funny adorable. they were practically my neighbors when I lived in Chelmsford. I, I didn't even know it. Um, but I just, I think you are just such an all around interesting, funny, and super smart person. So tell us a little bit about, uh, and, and I, you know, I'm hoping that there's younger women out there or women in different transitional life periods that are listening to this that I like, I think knowledge sharing is so important. And I learned so much from talking to other people and just soaking in their stories and learning from that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your education, your career path, your life path. I know you talked about sociology being really important to you. So maybe you can expand on that a little bit. Sure. So I've always had a knack for I was always labeled as the responsible one. So mm. um, in the sorority, you know, I was, I was a secretary at one point because I showed up with a notebook because I thought to do that. And um, I've always had also a passion for event planning and logistics. Mm -hmm. So it just seemed a very natural fit that I almost basically fell into the job that I've had now and I've, I've held for 20 years to be an assistant. And there are just some things that, um, you know, this is 
probably one of my God-given talents is to be able to have the foresight and to organize and you know move large numbers of people and coordinate okay we need to have this ordered and and this sent in and you're going to travel here and you're going to fly there and seeing seven steps ahead of of what needs to be what the end game is and what we need to do to get there before that we've even got there so i think that was just something innate in me and it's just really worked out and i think the other piece of being an assistant is you also need to mesh well with who you're supporting mm -hmm. and vice versa. So um, me and the VPs that I support right now, we are a well-oiled machine. And I've seen in other circumstances when the assistants and the supervisors just, it's not that they don't get along or they don't like each other, just it isn't a good fit. So there is a little bit of, um, you know, it's, it's a form of a relationship, if you will. It's a, it's a friendship. It's, it's your work colleague and sometimes at the end of the day you have so much access to their life because that's what they need mm -hmm. and so there's a big level of trust there as well and my job has also allowed me the flexibility to start a family and be able to adjust my hours so i'm very fortunate in that regard and as far as majoring in sociology it was one of those things you went into it and you weren't really sure what you were gonna major in and what you were gonna do and you're undeclared. And at some point you have to declare a major. <laughs> right. So I had, a requirement. <laughs> there's a requirement there. You gotta graduate with something. You can't graduate undeclared. So General I, studies. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry if I just offended anybody. Mine wasn't much better. I was a communications major. <laughs> right. It wasn't something, it wasn't um, something like nursing or teaching that had a definite endpoint, if you will. When you graduated, you knew, okay, I'm gonna go on and, and get my master's so I can be a registered nurse. I'm gonna get my master's so I can do higher education or anything like that. Yes, I could have gone on to getting um, a master's or you know, further degree if I, if I chose to. So at the time, um, the, I found the classes were interesting. We were um, you know, looking at different societies and cultures. I was taking a criminology class. I was mm. taking even um, one, there was like something about, um, there was a sex and culture class and how we're viewing the coming of the more acceptance of the sexual preferences and choices and everything mm -hmm. that was happening at the time because remind, to age myself a little right. bit here, yes. this is this mid, the mid 90s. Mid to late 90s. Right. So being, open about sexual orientation and preferences like that was a time yeah, of, of really not like out. it is today right exactly mm -hmm. so um and then there was another one about the kinesiology of aging and how our bodies change physically over time and um you know i found that biology amazing as well and then how society back again is looking at our older generations and how you know those are changing you know we don't have we don't put mom in the nursing home anymore. There's these wonderful assisted living communities and how those are changing and expanding the life expectancies and what those little mini societies are doing. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to today and with everything going on, and I'm not going to get political or anything, but just think of everything that has happened in mm -hmm. 2020, uh, being a sociology major, we're very open-minded. We're very creative. 
and we love all these different outlets that we can take it. I mean, sociology can take you anywhere from being a social worker to a lawyer mm -hmm. to then some great maybe PhD doctor that's going to look back on this past decade and study what how our society has changed and evolved. Oh God, won't those that won't that be some good reading? <laughs> I mean, the boil it down, sociology is a study of people, more or less, society. People, society, cultures. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, super, super interesting. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, let me jump tracks a little bit here. And um, guys, Clara's a full-fledged comedian. Bird. <laughs> like, it's a thing now. It's, she's an award-winning award comedian. Winning. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. That's it's not true. an untrue statement. She's the talent untrue. winner from American Women of Service Nationals 2020, and she did a comedy routine, and it was awesome. That was there. This is a big, uh, you know, forty-ish is like to be like I'm going to become a comedian. Yeah, I yeah. mean, dish, please. Oh my gosh! So this was kind of maybe it's one of those lifelong dreams that you didn't realize until you got into your late thirties and you're like, dang, I feel I have a knack for this. Mm -hmm. And, but how do you, how do you start? How do you get into it? Right. You know, I'm living up in New Hampshire. I'm not living, you know, in New York or Hollywood or anything. I'm not living near the comedy factory or, you know, mm -hmm. laughs or anything like that to have that access. So I found out through a friend that there's this great comedy coach right down the street in Portsmouth, which is about a half hour, 45 minutes from me. And they host regular workshops. So I signed up for that. It's all original material. So it's everything coming out of my brain. I've got more in, in the hopper, you know, that I've been developing and working on because my hope is once, once the pandemic hopefully passes and we can go out and gather again, I really hope to bring people together and just make them laugh. Because the other thing is that moment of laughter, you're forgetting everything. If you're not feeling well, if you're having a bad day, if, you know, something just isn't going your way, those moments of laughter, you just forget everything and you're feeling so good. So if I can bring that to other people, yes, please. Yeah. Oh my God. Totally. And you know, it's goes to, uh, I always use the hashtag never too old in my pageant stuff because you know, I mean, 44 in pageants, like right. uh, surprisingly, there are a lot of us actually, you might there not are, think there, it, there but are, there actually are a lot of us as a force to be. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. That age category, there's a lot of us. And, um, it's not necessarily people that have been doing pageants their whole life either. It's a lot of people oh. that just like, Hey, I want to try something new. I mean, it's just like, Hey, I'm, 45 and then I'm going to run my first marathon. It's the same thing. It's, yes. it's a challenging experience. It's For a personal sure. growth experience. So I kind of look at your experience in comedy the same way. It was like, dang, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to push myself way outside of my comfort zone. But it's, you know, like I said, it's that, it's that itch you got to scratch and nobody's getting any younger. No. So why not? And I love and, it. And um, I had a friend tell me once, they're like, you seek the uncomfortable. You Ooh. seek the challenging. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, and that, from an outside perspective, to hear that, I was like, on the on the money. That was yes, that's what well, it is. Well, and that's how you grow, right? You can't exactly. stay in the bubble. You can't stay in the comfort zone. Like, part of pageantry is that for me too. Like, I get wicked nervous. 
Well, I'm, I'm all in my like New Englander, like phase right now because I'm talking to you in New Hampshire. The Georgia and me. You're wicked smart, Tassie. The three months in Georgia sloughing off as I go back to my uh, Boston vernacular, but I get really nervous when I interview. I get really nervous when it's time to walk on stage. So I put myself into those situations in order to grow because you're not going to grow unless you expose yourself to that, which makes you frightened. I'm not going to jump out of an airplane. (laughs) My husband no. keeps saying, want to go skydiving. I'm like, no way in hell. Yeah, <laughs> I think happen. I pass on that one. <laughs> We're not talking about that level. <laughs> Although some people feel like they need that and they feel super empowered when they've done. Uh, I'm not going to do it, but. Which is um, great. You know, I try to be that example for my kids too, because that's life, right? There's lots of things that make you nervous, especially if your personality tends to lean in that direction. If you tend to be a little bit more fearful, I would describe myself as that. So putting myself in these situations, it's not, I mean, I I always say it is not about the crown. You have to look beyond the crown. If you are a crown chaser, whatever, to each their own, that's fine too. But if you really want to get something out of pageantry or comedy or whatever thing you're pushing yourself to do at this stage in life or any stage in life, that you got to look at, you know, why are you doing it? What do you want to get out of it? How can you grow from it? So, and I love that. And I, I just, I think it's so cool that you dipped your toes into comedy and you're good, Claire. You're funny. <laughs> you can catch me on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I should link to that. Um, all right. So pandemic. Yes. How have you been coping? Cause you've got, um, have you been coping during the pandemic? I mean, you, your husband works from home. You've been working from home. You got the kids home. Like, you know, yeah, it's been bonkers. So give us some advice in that department. Give us some inspiration, bit. Claire. Well, so when everything hit in March and everybody was shut down, um, I won't lie. I mean, that was hard and it was a sudden change. It wasn't a gradual change. It was like, that was the cutoff. Like that Friday was the last Friday the kids went to school. I was still, I'm not sure if I should go into the office because we hadn't gotten our directions yet. Um, My husband's uh, office shut down. So we're like, oh, okay. And we went through, at least I know I did, and I think the kids did, and and my husband did in their own way, we went through the stages of grief. Right. And then then adapting to, I I don't like to say the new normal, but adapting to, okay, this is how we can get things done now. So, you know, I mean, I've been on more Zoom calls in, you know, the past nine months than I have in my whole entire career. And I think that says something that, you know, now this is our our big form of communication. Um, And I think as things slowly started to open back up and, you know, I I wasn't seeing my friends or anything, neither were my kids, you know, when none of us, Mm -hmm. we were just, we were here, we went grocery shopping and then we were home and that, that was it. And um, it was nice to then start to be able to go back out again safely and, and see friends and, and just have those connections that way. So we just take it week by week. And even to this day, it is just week by week. And, and what are we doing this week? Because sometimes the information and everything is changing so quickly, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, with, with the work situations and how are we going to set ourselves up to, to work from home and my husband's on a two week rotation of okay two weeks he's in the office two weeks he's out of the office and and such and such and okay i the kids are back in school but they're home on fridays so it's 
okay, what does this week look like? Mm -hmm. And I think that's as much for us right now as we can, we can forecast out like, what, what does this week look like? Okay. Then we'll kind of dip our toe into next week. And I think you have felt this as well. Our calendars used to be riddled full of, okay, we've got a soccer game and we got football over Ooh, here and, so and baseball, baseball mm -hmm. here and piano lesson there. And all of a sudden that came to such a screaming halt, but at the same time, it's been really enjoyable sad that the that we don't have the activities but at the same time it's been a a little nice reprieve of not having to run around and sit back and enjoy those moments of like oh yeah you know and this, this afternoon time. my kids yeah, yeah my kids are doing their their homework this morning and this afternoon oh we're gonna carve pumpkins right and when normally we'd have to try to cram that in somewhere on a weekend yeah yeah, that, so that is definitely the silver lining. Yeah, the personal, the um, the family time, the family time, and just really taking taking stock of, you know, I think a lot of people have been doing home improvement projects, or finally, you know, getting to that project that they <laughs> yeah. to do that's over in the corner. Oh, yeah, our project was like, let's move from Connecticut to Georgia. <laughs> you just did the ultimate. You're like, awesome. we're moving. <laughs> Glad that part's <laughs> over because it's really super fantastic down here. Do not get me wrong, but you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about the article. So, so how do I preface this? I like to talk about the uncomfortable with cultivating respect because sure. it's one thing to sit there and say, we all need to be respectful to each other and need to cultivate respectful environments in our societies. But how do you do that? Exactly. And how do you the make how. somebody do that? You can't, I don't think. So, really it all starts with this internal examination and that's kind of where all my articles have gone since i started this over a year ago like it's really turned to like let's turn the mirror around on ourselves and see what we're doing so i know it sounds a little preachy sometimes people but but i wouldn't ask you to do anything that i haven't done or i'm willing to do myself or that i've done and grown from or i'm challenging myself to do so i felt like it was time to talk about this concept of forgiveness and acknowledging when you've done something wrong that you need to ask for forgiveness. Mm. Flip side to that, of course, is that what you gain by getting to the place of forgiveness and giving that. Um, but, you know, in the same family, but two very different concepts. Because for I sure. think it's one thing to get to that point where you're like, okay, I've got somebody in my life. I really need to forgive them and move on. It's completely something else. If you need to take a step back and examine your own actions and be like, well, cred, maybe it's me. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I talk about that in my article from last year. I just, I just republished it this month because this is, you know, a bullying awareness month of the month of October. So we talk a lot about this, but you know, I wrote an article last year called could the bully be me? Exactly. Because it's one thing to sit there and point the finger and tell people what to do, but it just really takes a lot of courage and humility to turn that around and say, well, what role do I play in this? Right. Who's, who's the villain in whose story? That's kind yes. of been my thing. Exactly. Is, are, you, are you the villain or am right. I the villain? I could be like, the villain. Sometimes we all, we're all guilty of it. Like, oh my I'm God, not going to yeah. sit here and be like, yeah, we've never done anything we haven't needed no, no. to be forgiven for. Like, come on. Last I checked, so, none of us um, are, are named Mary Poppins. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I think we've all had those, I call it the mea culpa moment. Like, oh crap, 
I am sorry. I have really messed up. Um, you know, it's that reconciliation, if you will. It's that, you know, moment that when you really need to acknowledge what, you know, what your transgression is, not to like make this sound like we're going into the confessional, but we kind of are, you know, and, um, you know, I just think it's so important and we've definitely seen many instances where we like, like, I really hope that person like finds their mea culpa moment because they really need to. Um, but what can we do when we see others that are in, you know, that are not getting there, um, and haven't asked for forgiveness, but sometimes we need to give it in order to move on ourselves. So I've definitely had that experience, you know, within my own family with a struggle that we've had for years with this, mm-hmm. you know, with an outside force who it just, you know, it has just brought so much stress upon our family that one of those, you know, we're like, all right, well, what are we going to do? Keep holding on to the bitterness and keep struggling or move on in a healthy way with lots of boundaries and all that stuff, you know? Um, yeah, definitely been there. So, um, and I've got a funny mea culpa moment story too, but you know, Claire, give, give me your thoughts on this. Like I said, it's kind of serious, but you know, I just, I, I thought you would have some good insight for me. So when, when you asked me to do this and this was our topic, I, I had to, I went back and I took inventory again, not to say that I am, I am practically perfect in every way, but, um, looking back two kind of moments in life stuck out to me and that was my time in college. And I even tell people today, and I'll still, I'll still stand by this, that being in college, that is your time to make mistakes right and yep. to figure out what you what you like what you don't like what what you might want to do what you don't want to do and to have all of those experiences and along that journey oh for sure you're going to make mistakes and step on toes and say the wrong thing or or do the you know do the wrong thing so i definitely feel that you know during my time in college i for sure had some some boo-boos along the way mm-hmm. and um, I would say humbling at the same, you know, it really kind of brought me back down that I'm, I'm not all that and, and a bag of chips as the saying used to be back then. And um, to really just, you know, take a step back and mm-hmm. think, you know, is this the person I want to be in this moment? And right. I think that's something. And then moving forward from that, I thought about the first job that I had. Um, there was a, before I landed the job I have, currently there was a small short window stint at a PR firm in Boston that I was an assistant and I think your first job out of college you're in a whole other world and it's something that I don't know if they teach this now or talk about it now in in college but you know the how to behave in the workplace and how do you talk to superiors and your supervisors and you know, that professional, you know, I didn't go to Dartmouth Business School, so maybe, maybe that's where they, they talk about it, but I definitely learned a lot in my, my, first, my first employment experience post-college about, you know, just kind of stepping back and being more of an observer than trying to really jump in and make waves when it wasn't the right time to, mm-hmm. to do that. And it was a hard balance of, learning autonomy and yet needing direction at the same time. And um, 
it ended up not being a good fit after a while. And, and then I moved, I moved up to um, New Hampshire. So it, at the end, it all worked out. But, you know, for that short stint, um, you know, there was definitely some, some missteps along the way that I, I know if I were ever run into those, those people, my coworkers, again, it would be like a very humbling experience to be like, Oh, you know, I've, I've changed and I've learned mm -hmm. from those mistakes and look where I am now. Yes. So. Yeah. I just, I really believe that being that honest with ourselves and seeking forgiveness, you know, saying I was wrong, all of those things, you know, having that moment of reconciliation is the only way you're going to grow. And the only way you're going to feel free also, yeah. you know, I think that, you know, some people are so trapped in, um, a difficult situation that causes them to act a certain way, but really the only way out of that is by acknowledging your shortcomings and trying to do better. And yeah. that is such an important path. So, you know, for me, one of my biggest growth experiences personally was going through, um, I had my first marriage annulled through the Catholic church and I had lots of friends who were like, it's not worth it. They ask you so many questions and it's like, ah, you know, who wants to tell a priest all that stuff. And I was like, I just felt compelled. I felt really compelled. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it, you know, so I could have my present marriage, you know, recognized to me, it's just important. I'm not, you know, yeah. it's just something I really felt like I needed to do. And it, you know, it was like, Oh, really, it's a little bit nerve wracking, but you don't go in there and it really ends up that, you know, for me, it wasn't about like laying out all the transgressions of my ex-spouse. To me, it was more like, oh my gosh, I was able to take some responsibility for things and see that I needed to forgive that person, but I also needed to forgive myself for the bad judgment of error in the first place. Yeah. And I hadn't done that. And I was, um, suffering, I think, because of it. And going through that, I was very blessed that I had a very kind priest who really shepherded me through that experience. And, and it was, it was basically like, write your life story. So I wrote like a 15 page thesis on it. So, you know, that worked well for me. Um, right. cause it was good. And he was like, wow. I'm like, I know I'm a good writer. <laughs> so, well, that's, that's your jam. And I'm sure uh, it was very cathartic for you. Yeah. And freeing. Yeah. Like you said, it was probably very freeing. It was so freeing and, you know, but to be able to, you know, go through that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a, it was a really, uh, potent life experience. And, um, so writing about that, I just felt, you know, right now, like I said, I don't think that we create respectful environments by beating people over the head and telling them what to do. But if I can encourage people to do the internal heart work, yes. I talk about finding your sparkle, you know, like you're never going to sparkle on stage. You're never going to sparkle in your career. You're not going to sparkle with your family if you've got the chains going on on the inside. So if, the, if there's things that we can do to confront those, um, those things that are holding us back, I think it makes a big difference. And then we're able to give our best selves to ourselves and to those around us. And that's how we create respectful environments in society. Just I think it's so important right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> holy cow. <laughs> oh. Holy, holy cow. Um, so I'm going to jump tracks again, because I have all okay. these fun questions and I want to get them on all again. So um, I want to go back to talking a little bit about American women of service, because I think you and I both like hold, hold that in pretty high regards. I do. And we love our director. We believe in the program. Um, it really is something special. So you've got this title. You are national ambassador of American women. Yes. 2020. 
Yes. It's pretty cool. It is. Um, it's very so cool. So you've held that title for a month. Is it a month yet? Six weeks-ish. Six weeks-ish. Okay, weeks. there we go. I'm right on the nose. Um, I know. So <laughs> tell me, since you've had this title, what has inspired you? Being a national title holder is a big deal. So um, tell me what's inspired you. Um, oh gosh. I mean, you the, the Super 6 from 2019, you guys were very inspiring and laying the, the groundwork for a lot of things. You know, when I saw Jess... Um, Mon doing her 12 state tour. I was like, oh, mm. I, I was blown away by yeah. that. And um, I hope to do something along those lines. I never want to, you know, copycat anybody or, or think I'm stealing what they're doing, but that was just so inspiring. Yeah. Um, working with Anna and her foundation, mm -hmm. Eric Medeiros Memorial Foundation um, is wonderful. So you guys really laid a lot of groundwork. So Basically, right now, what I um, am starting to work on my personal platform, um, I have two actually. One oh, yes. Is, oh, I'm so glad you brought this up because I okay. definitely want to talk about this. So, one is Alliance for Period Supplies, which provides feminine hygiene products for low income women or women who are in challenging situations to get their hands on pads, tampons, um, you know, uh, wipes things like that to help them with their period because the statistics about you know period poverty are real to hear that one in five women miss work school or an event because they can't they can't either afford or have access to products that's staggering that's unacceptable it's, it's <laughs> ridiculous country it's, that we live in yeah absolutely it's, it's one ridiculous. in five that's unacceptable five. especially you think about how many girls miss school yeah we got to do something about that yeah. And then taking it to like a more global scale, I think about the women that are living in more underdeveloped countries that have even problems in access getting to clean water, to safe toilets. Yeah. This is global. It's not just the U.S. Yeah. This is global. Um, and I stumbled onto this uh, platform in the spring of 2020 and it just, it spoke to me and it resonated so much because I was like, this this is a natural occurring process in every woman's life. Mm -hmm. And to not have, to have a tax on tampons and feminine yeah. hygiene products, to not have easy access to stuff, um, just kind of blow, really blew my mind. And I was like, we, we can do better. We, we need to need to do better. Yeah, so, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I love it. And, you know, you knocked that out of the park. You know, you guys, Claire did this massive campaign this uh, summer collecting supplies and uh, to give us the stats from that. Like that was, that was that pretty was, epic. I honestly had no idea that it would get the response that I did. And I'm, I'm still so humbled and grateful for the support that, that this campaign got. So I started hashtag tampon Tuesday. I love it. <laughs> throughout throughout the, the month of August in preparation for our nationals because we put together the blessing bags for the shelters. Um, and one of our wish list items was feminine hygiene products. Mm -hmm. And I know we weren't getting a lot. So I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm doing this. So every Tuesday in August, I would post um, some facts about period poverty. I had um, a Venmo, I had an Amazon wish list, and I said, if you want to purchase tampons and pads and have them sent directly to me, if you would like to donate money so I can go purchase them, great. 
I thought I'd get a pack here or there. I honestly didn't know that at the end of the day, I would have 200 boxes of pads, tampons, wipes, liners, and $300 donated. So then when we went to nationals, American Women of Service in September, I was able to put together with the help of some friends and Kaylina Pierce, who's now Brady, um, New Hampshire sweetheart. We put together 900 period essential kits that went into the blessing bags. So with the 300 blessing bags that we did, because we had so much supply, we probably, anybody who gets a blessing bag is going to be good for, I would say, at least two periods which is huge. You literally showed up with a truckload. <laughs> literally, I had to farm stuff out. I'm like, how am I going to get this to Maine? Yeah. I was having Sterling, um, Jasmine's husband, our director, he was taking some. Kaylina was taking some. I had a little car. Too. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> so, awesome. It really was awesome. And I think everybody was super excited about it because, you know, it's, it's creative. It's so necessary. And that's, that's, that's what and gets not me. not taboo. Like, no. let's talk about it. Everybody, Everybody. gets it. So, yes. you know, so we were like filling these bags <laughs> and now, like the period talk was free flowing, you know, everybody's <laughs> like, oh, this is what I prefer. Now this is what it's like at this point in my cycle. And it's like, yeah, talk about it. Like, I mean, can you imagine like when we were young women, nobody talked about any of us. No. It was no, like, it, and it was super, super, so super clandestine everything, you know, and it's you, like, oh, you what didn't want, you didn't want anybody to know, especially those first, you know, when, when you start menstruating those first few years in either, you know, junior high or high school, you don't want anybody to know because somehow it was somehow embarrassing. And then I know the narrative shifted a little bit, that it was like, the girls were excited and and it was you know a badge of honor i got my period right, right. and i think now we've kind of gone back to Shh, don't talk about it mm. so having a teenage daughter coming of, of age of you know it's this is going to happen this is biology this is biology this is eventually going to happen right. i made sure that before i even found alliance for period supplies we would have several conversations about this is what it's going to be like and you know here's here's how to use the product because that's a, another uncomfortable conversation is yeah how to use the product and what do you prefer and we went to barnes and noble and you know looked at i had her pick out books because i wanted her to be as educated as possible because i didn't want it to be this big surprise what is this yeah, yeah. no i totally agree and that you know it's just i i did watch that documentary i forget what it was called um about women in India and how, and I know it's like this in several countries around the world where it's just, it is completely taboo. Women are ostracized for it every freaking month. And you know what? Uh, newsflash, uh, this is how we bring life into the world. So uh, you're welcome. Menstruating <laughs> is a superpower. You're welcome. You know, it's, so it is a go. superpower. And it's a superpower. even as uncomfortable and, you know, difficult as it can be for some of us, uh, yeah. you know, it is, it is a superpower. You're right. And I love it that you, re, uh, that you refer to it that way. Um, so I have a little surprise guest that's going to join us. She doesn't even know I'm totally ambushing her. So oh. a- ambushing, ambushing. Let's try that again. There's cameras involved, but you're not going to be recorded. So, guys, I got my mom in town. Oh my <laughs> I didn't even ask her. 
she would do that. But she's a really good sport, so I know she would. So I'm going to let her sit in my spot. Yes, mom, the camera's on, but it's a podcast, so we don't, nobody's okay. going to see this. Just Claire? Just Claire. But okay. it, yeah, just, just Claire can see you right now, so you can sit here. So this is, uh, as Claire calls her, Mama Rhonda. This Mama is my Rhonda. mom. She's in town from Arizona. Come sit down, mom. So we're just finishing up our recording of our podcast that I thought it would be super fun to have her here because Claire loves Yay. mom. And I do. And a big fan of Claire. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Welcome. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Cultivated it's, Respect Podcast. I'll try to behave <laughs> accordingly. <laughs> right? Right before nationals last year, I made her put on a crown and we made a video. <laughs> I remember that. I posted. I'm like, my mom's such a good sport. <laughs> She's such a good sport. So I'm gonna. We have a few more questions that we're gonna ask okay. Claire, but I thought maybe you could you can chime in too. Um, so you, as you know, my initiative is all about cultivating respect in our own communities, and you know how each one of us can do that with a little laughter and a little fun along the way. Um, so, mom, I'm gonna ask you this question first. I'm totally putting you on the spot. Is this yeah. okay? Well, you know, <laughs> you I have might, something to say. She's a talker. Blank. She's fine. She's gonna It'll have something good. to say. Claire will fill in the gaps. It's okay. We got you. Um, so what do you think we can do? This is totally like pageant interview style too. <laughs> Rhonda, tell us, what do you think we can do to create more respect in our own communities? That is such a loaded question right now too. I'm sorry. It, it, it well, really is. Well, I Four think you have, to, <laughs> you have to project what you want back. Oh, good. So if you don't give that vibe out, you're not going to get it back. My problem is that I'm like super non-confrontational. <laughs> so um, I try really hard to do all of those things. But when people call me on something, I have, I have trouble with like where to go from there. But I think that being a respectful person, hopefully at least a certain percentage of that, you're going to get back. Nice. I like that. All right, Claire, I'm going to hand the baton off to you now. So tell me... You know, what do you think we can do? What are some practical ways we can uh, bolster more respect in our communities? You know, I, I definitely agree with what Rhonda said. You put, you attract what you put out. So, mm. um, you know, social media is such a hot button. And I know that doesn't necessarily mean our own community, i.e. the town we live in, but our social media bubble that we're in yeah. and it's yeah, so easy counts. for totally That's right. It's so easy for yeah. people to be behind the keyboard and, you know, start comment wars on, on posts, whether it is, it might not even be politically motivated or, or, you know, any of the hot topics that are happening right now, but just, um, you know, your online presence matters just as much as your personal in-person presence. And I think if people can just, I, I sometimes feel people take social media a little too seriously and it is not the end all be all because mm -hmm. so-and-so said something. Um, so I view social media, it is a great um, outlet, not necessarily your source for all information, but a great outlet to connect with people um, I value it because I have family all over the country. So it's nice to see what my cousins are doing out in Kansas city. Cause I don't get to see them very often. Um, but just to, you know, you don't have to comment if you don't want to, if you've got something bad to say, then maybe don't say it. Maybe you don't have to like that post. Maybe you can take a break, 
um, from following that person and maybe just take a break from social media in general. I have a really good friend right now that she's taking a break from Facebook. She deleted the app off her phone. She didn't delete her account, but she's kind of doing a right. digital detox. And I think that's important too. Yeah, I would say there is enormous power in your like and share. Yes. You know, we need to treat it as such. Yeah. It is a platform and people listen. And I think you're exactly right. You know, take a break if you need to. And what does grandma always say? You know, if you don't have something nice to say, then maybe you shouldn't even be it's saying it in the first place. Like right. I was on the Miss America um, feed yesterday. And ever since they've gone through their changes, it's turned a lot of people off. I get it. It's not the new Miss America is not for everybody. Right. However, do you really need to comment something negative on every single thing that they post? And our dear Miss America is like working so hard and trying so hard and the organization's gone through this reorg and they're trying so hard, but good golly, like if you don't like it, go find another group that you want to be a part of and just stop the negativity. So yesterday right. I actually posted, I'm like, I'm just dropping in a way to go Camille here or Miss America because I'm so tired of like everything I see is negative. So way to go. <laughs> she's, she's good people. Yeah. She's good peeps. She's, she's totally good peeps. So, um, yeah, I think that is so important and just to be authentic, you know, I think yes. that, you know, for kind of talking about social media a little bit too, that authenticity is so important. And, you know, again, if, if your authentic self is uh, having a really bitchy day, <laughs> maybe, right. maybe you don't need to be on social media. Maybe you don't need to post. Maybe you don't need to yeah, you, be don't, real. Need, be you real. don't need to post. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, okay, one more question uh, here. So uh, I'm going to start with you, Claire. What can we do to better support women in our communities? You know, the funny thing is, I feel as women, we are the first ones, major I just feel majority, we are the first ones to be like, with the negative comment, mm. whether it be about ourselves Ooh, or someone oops. else. You know, but we put on that dress and we're looking in the mirror and then we're like, oh, I, I feel fat or it doesn't look right. And it's just, or not you put yourself down with other women because you don't want them to feel bad or whatever. Like how we right. do that thing we're together. We're like, oh, I know this old thing or, oh, it's, oh, I don't look that great. Oh, I can't right. see that. Yeah. So, you know, twofold, I think mm. number, number one, you just have to be really comfortable again, going back to talking about the forgiveness in our mea culpa moment we got to look internally at ourselves. And once we're comfortable with what we've got going on on the inside, then it shows on the outside. Mm -hmm. And I always liked the, um, there's a meme that goes around that, you know, women should be lifting each other up, not tearing mm -hmm. each other down. Mm -hmm. And I go back to JLo and Shakira at the Super Bowl yes. and that performance. Yep. And all of the negative comments. Oh my gosh. Women, 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 all the negative yep. comments. And I'm thinking if I were looking that good and can dance like that and at I'm 50? singing at yes. great, <laughs> show it. Yes. Um, if you got it, and, flaunt it. Right. And I understand that might've been upsetting for some people because they didn't think it was family friendly and it was the Super Bowl and this, that, and the other thing. Well then again, you don't have to comment, but I think we need to remember to be each other's cheerleaders, mm -hmm. even for the little things. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, because we won the pageant, we performed at the Super Bowl or anything like that. I think about some of the women 
in our pageant this past year, this was their first time. They were so nervous, but at the end of the day, after they got off the stage, after last question, they can say they did that. And yep. we were all there cheering for them that yep. that was their accomplishment, no matter how big or small. I just feel we really need to just encourage each other, whatever we're doing. Yeah, I agree. Mom, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, um, my partner, Tim and I, in our business, and we have stone and sterling jewelry that we sell. And I think Claire, you have some, I know Darcy has some, um, we pay it forward a lot. And my partner, Tim is one of those that has, he's really in tune with women. Don't mm -hmm. you think yeah. he has a very, uh, good sense about women and he can tell when something isn't quite right they may not say anything mm -hmm. but he gifts them a piece of jewelry Aww. and we've had people come back and say that you have no idea what an awful day i was having and that lifted me up yes and so again it's like paying it forward in a compliment mm -hmm. um smiling at somebody that's not smiling and that's harder today with a mask and I say well you can tell I'm smiling because my crow's feet are showing <laughs> <laughs> but um I think I think showing the love for other people mm -hmm. um even if you don't know them give yeah. them some respect and um another thing that my partner says that has been a real boon to my life is happiness is a grateful attitude. So you need to be grateful even if it's for the small things. Yes. And with the way the world is going right now, sometimes you have to look mm -hmm. for the things to be grateful for. But there are a lot of them. Yeah. There are for sure. Well and we're all in this together, right? Like it's not, you know, obviously we come from the world of pageantry, that's competition, but at the end of the day it's really not. You know, it's like com competing with right. yourself and lifting each other up. But, you know, in our day-to-day -day interactions with each other, especially with other women, you know, in this life, we're all, we're all, we're all on the same treadmill. We <laughs> we're are experiencing the same things, especially with these struggles that we're going through. We're all in it together. So, yeah, I think you're right, mom. We got to show the love. Yeah. You know, what else do we have this in this life, if not that? And that's an inexpensive, uh, very impactful thing to do. Yep. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, before we wrap up, Claire, do you have a book that you've read recently that you want to recommend? I know every, I, I get a lot of funny responses to this too. Okay. Surprise. But yeah, tell me, what have you got? Okay. So the last book I read was Over the Top by Janet, uh, Jonathan Van Ness. Oh, yes. Um, he's serving it up. <laughs> um, it just chronicles his, it's a biography up until this point of his life. And um, it, it's an, I will, I'm not saying this in a negative way. It's a nice, easy read. It was very enjoyable. Um, if you've ever watched him on, you know, Queer Eye and the Fab Five, and yeah. you've heard his voice oh, and you know John, his- Yes, the beautiful yes. one with the long hair and the beard and the high heels. I love him. <laughs> Me too. So if you've ever watched him and you're reading the book, you hear his voice as, yeah. you're, as you're reading, which I loved. And my big takeaway from that book was from a, his stepdad who and always told him, you don't have to take the elevator to the bottom. 
and that huh. was that was like that was my aha moment with yeah. the book is that you know whether it is something that you are doing or your own um self-reflection and and how you view yourself you don't have to take the elevator to the bottom and i just i really loved that but that oh, is such a great. such a fun book yeah yeah he's he's awesome and i i saw him in an interview once and he was like it's really challenging because people walk up to me and they think they know me and they want to hug me and i'm like mm. yes and I'm like, I'd be totally guilty of that. I'd be like, let's be best friends. Right. And <laughs> so funny you say that because he talks about that in the book yeah. about now he needs to develop some boundaries because right. of his, his rise to fame. And that, yes, people want to come up and they want to talk to him. But he's like, I have to go to this. I'm on my way to a meeting. Yeah. But he doesn't want to disappoint them and, and to develop those boundaries. And I know you've, you have um, a podcast and an article about boundaries. And I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, this was just... Yeah, totally. It just all synced up. But to hearing how he's such an advocate for the LBGTQ community, for AIDS awareness, which I think we need to start talking about that again, because that's slipped to the wayside. And just everything that he is trying to do um, in general is just amazing. So I highly encourage. It's entertaining. It's, infor it's informative. It's good. Five stars. Love it. Love it. Thank you for the recommendation. See, you guys, this is why I wanted to have Claire on today. She's super smart. She's always got something good to say, and she's an awesome friend. So thank you so much for being here today, Claire. Thank you, Mom. No problem Mama for being. Um... Thank you for ambushing me again. <laughs> it's kind of the story of our life right there. <laughs> Mom, guess what I'm doing now? <laughs> Just come in here. Come in here. No, no, no. Fine. It's so funny. But everybody, thanks for joining us for another episode of Cultivating Respect with Darcy Castro. I, yes, uh, Claire's giving us the high fives in the background. Um, <laughs> thank you for taking the time to listen, to learn from my perspective, from my guests, and just opening your heart. And uh, please keep reading and follow along. If you haven't subscribed, go to DarcyCastro.com, put your name on that newsletter list. I am not going to contact you all the time. It's literally like twice a month, maybe three times if there's a lot going on, but please follow along and share with friends. Thank you so much.